Uh, last week uh, we looked at a foundation for growth and what it looked like to be prepared for growth and that foundation is found in that encouragement from Paul which is I have learned to be content in all situations. So learning a new perspective on our situations so we can look at life and the future the way that God sees life and the future and gain his perspective. This week we're going to begin to talk about growth and what uh, growth uh, looks like. Uh, how do we grow in hard places? You see, we realize our need for growth when we hit capacity for tolerance. We realize our need for growth when we hit our capacity for tolerance. It's, it's really easy uh, when the kids are behaving well for me to be tolerant, to be at peace, to be a, a great parent to them and to always do the right thing by them. When they've been pushing my boundaries uh, all day, at the end of the day, my capacity for tolerance <laughs> has lowered. Now, our capacity for tolerance isn't a r reflection of our Christian virtue. If I have a certain amount of capacity to love them and be patient with them, and at the end of the day that capacity's gone and I'm not loving and patient, what that's really revealing to me is what's truly in my heart. And, and it's the same with uh, people often. Uh, s some people, uh, they can prick you a little bit, but as long as you don't live with them, <laughs> you can be kind and nice to them. But the Christian virtue of love is that we love even our enemies. And love's not just a verb, it's a position of our heart and our thoughts towards people. And so when our heart and our thoughts aren't positioned in love and yet we're still acting in love, that's a good thing to do. But God wants us to love from that place of our heart. God wants us to grow to a place where we love people the way he does and that picture that Jesus gives us of even loving our enemies is such a clear picture of what true love looks like that when someone that comes up that really annoys you prods you you still love them and your natural reaction to them is to act in a way that's loving that's what true transformation looks like that we love those that previously annoyed us and the, the thing that's changed is not them <laughs> unfortunately but us that's what it looks like. And people often say that uh, change doesn't happen until the cost of remaining the same exceeds the cost of change. But I think as a, as a Christian, change happens as God changes our hearts, rewires our hearts. And the cost of change for us as Christians is the cost of his son Jesus died on the cross for us and it's through his death and resurrection that we're invited to that same process of dying to an old way of thinking and living and coming alive, being renewed, transformed day by day as we look to him. The question people are often asking of the church is, is your Christianity real? And one of the ways it's demonstrated is through transformed people. People go, I knew that person before they became a Christian. I knew that person earlier in that, their Christian walk. Old people typically get worse and, and more pointed. <laughs> but they're different. 
the trajectory of their life is that they're more kind and more loving as time goes on. People that have grown who are not the same they were 10 years ago, whether they're 101 or whether they're 10, that's a true reflection of God working in hearts to transform lives. You see, the, the, the true reflection of us in this world is being like Jesus, being Christ-like, loving people the way that Jesus loved people, going to those that others wouldn't hang out with and actually loving them, not just doing it because it's the right thing to do, but loving people that other people don't love. Whether you're young and it's in the school ground that you're loving the people that others tease and poke and bully and prod, or whether it's you're loving those that don't have any companions or friends as they are old because they've been bitter and twisted and difficult to get along with. Christ-like love goes to the places where love is not and brings light and love. When things become hard, hard for us in life, where where in difficult times, the, the truth about what's in our hearts comes out. And that's often difficult for us, and it's generally difficult for other people. And so the question I have for us is, do we want to grow? Is growth something that we actually want? Are we just waiting for life to get so difficult that it forces us to grow, or are we just letting our, uh, life continue on? And just saying, this is just the way I am. Well, when we say, this is just the way I am, as a Christian, we should actually say, this is just the way I was. Because behold, in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I am a new creation. I am part of a new family. I've been given new life. And so when I say, this is just me, I'm saying... Well, God doesn't want to change me and make me like Jesus. So this is the way I was. So who am I called to be? I'm called to be a fruit bearer in this world. If our lives were represented by a fruit tree, uh, are you just trying to survive out the cold winter or the arid summer, uh, looking for a season where it's easy to bear fruit? Or maybe are, are you a tree that's happy to bear just a you're a tree that only bears that kind of fruit, not too much. Or are we the kind of tree that wants to bear tenfold, twentyfold, fortyfold, a hundredfold the fruit? Are we the kind of tree that bears the fruit that God has designed us in this world, purposed us to bear around us, that we will be fruitful? What kind of tree are we? Uh, in Scripture, in Luke 3.8, it says, we're called to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. John 15, 17 says, we're appointed to go and bear fruit that will last. Bear fruit, Colossians 1.10 says, in every good work. And bear much fruit, John 15.8 says, thus showing yourselves to be Jesus' disciples. So our bearing of fruit reflects our connection to the vine, that is Jesus. And it says... In John 15, 8, uh, the, the tr sorry, John 15, 2, the tree that refuses to bear fruit will be cut down. That is, trees that don't bear fruit 
have no purpose in the kingdom of God. But that's our design. That's who we're called to be. It's not something we need to work at and we strive at. It's a partnering and a participation in our connection to the life-giving vine that is Jesus. And as we are connected to Jesus and as his spirit flows in us and as we partner with him, the natural thing that we do is we produce fruit. When we say, that's just the way I am, no, that's the way you were. When we say, I'm a new creation in Christ, that's who we are. And part of who we are is to be fruit bearers. So what kind of tree are we? Do we bear fruit? Do we want to bear fruit for, in fear of being cut down? I don't want to be cut down as a tree. I don't want to lose my salvation. No, we bear fruit because we're connected in. We don't bear fruit out of fear that we won't win the approval of God. We bear fruit because we already have it. And his love flows in us and through us. So whose work is spiritual growth? Uh, the Bible's full of commands and imperatives to growth. Uh, but let's read these words together from Philippians up on the screen. Uh, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do you see both things that happen in there? Uh, as you have always obeyed, continue to work. This is us. We're, we're working in partnership with God and our work in partnership with God is obedience uh, to him obedience to his call work out your salvation that is am I someone that is bearing fruit am I partnering with God I'm not working out whether I'm saved or not I'm working out with this ongoing process of me being made like Jesus as I discover and partner with him a life of holiness and obedience but then it's God who works in you. It's not us going, oh, I'm going to produce fruit. No tree works like that. It's us just being connected and, and flowing naturally with him and bearing what he's naturally designed us to produce. If it's God who is at work within you, you will be working as we rely on him. But we have confidence, as it says in 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. That is, you have what you need to see the transformation he wants in you. But we still need to respond. We need to obey the, the still quiet voice of the Spirit, the gentle prompts of God. We need to follow and obey. So how do we grow? Uh, Jeremiah 17.5 uh, gives us this really great picture of growth. You, you probably won't be able to read uh, all the writing on this uh, but what I want to do is just talk you through a few different elements of this picture. Up, up the top, uh, you have heat. And so the question there is, what is your situation? And so when we talk about heat, it's the situation of life. Because uh, let's face it, if it didn't have any pressure or heat in it, we'd probably be all godly all the time. If we were surrounded with people that were easy to get along with, we'd we'd always get along well with them, wouldn't we? But heat comes into our life, and sometimes, uh, a lot of the time, heat is not things that we can 
control. It's, it's pressure that we might feel because of work or families. It's pressure that we might feel in relationships. Uh, heat is about our current context. It's about the temptations and the blessings of life that put a stress on us where we need to make a decision. How will I respond? Uh, do our circumstances uh, enable us to act in a godly way or, or do they challenge our godliness? This, this is the heat of life. Heat may be involuntary, but how we respond to it is a choice that we're given by God. How do we respond to the pressures, challenges, temptations and blessings of life? So that's the heat that we experience in life. Uh, secondly, you'll see two trees. Uh, the, the first tree is a fruit tree and the second tree is a thorns tree. Trees reap the consequence of what they are planted into. Trees reap the consequence of where their roots are deeply planted into. And so we have one tree uh, that produces good fruit because it's got good roots. And we have another tree that produces bad fruit regularly because it's got bad roots. So the question we're always given in a situation is how will I react, how will I respond when our roots are in a difficult place? It's likely that our hearts will respond in a similar way. In this diagram, one produces good fruit and another produces bad fruit. So how do we respond? Are we rooted in God's love? Are we rooted in repentance and faith? Or are we rooted in just a, a worldly way of thinking and a worldly way of believing? One tree produces fruit, the other produces prickles and thorns. And so when you think of a, a, someone that's prickly, it's probably not you. Don't look at the person next to you. <laughs> it's coming from a place of bad roots. We know bad fruit comes from bad roots. So if you say to someone, stop doing that, stop doing that, stop doing that, you're just dealing with the fruit. You're not dealing with the roots of why these things happen. And so as Christians, God wants to deal with the, the roots in our life that we would be all producers of good fruit. Uh, the first tree, uh, this thorny tree, is all about us being in Adam. You may have heard that term before, in Adam. That is, we're connected to Adam and Eve, and we're connected to some of the decisions that they made. And so that choice to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil didn't give them discernment between what was truly good and what was evil. Suddenly they just were able to make decisions that were not good. And so they, what they inherited through that tree of good and evil was actually a, a flawed discernment. So a flawed discernment between what is truly a good choice and what is not a good choice. And we have inherited that. And our big problem is sometimes we do things that we think are right. And you talk to, to people that do significantly evil things and they think they're right in doing what they're doing. But what have they got? They've got a flawed discernment between what is good and what is evil. And some of the, the small ways in which we interact in ways that are ungodly, it's because we've got a flawed discernment between what is good and evil. When, when we gossip, it's because we've got a flawed discernment between what is good and what is evil. 
Uh, when we think we know best, what often happens is we're brought into three things. Cultural lives, spiritual lives, and experiential lives. Two easy cultural lies to, to hit, uh, or, or three. One about the environment, uh, that what we do with environment doesn't matter. That's, that's a cultural lie that, that we've been sold. Uh, another cultural lie around racism, because they're, they're different, their culture is different, their skin is different, they are different. <laughs> there, there's cultural lies, and a lot of these lies have been progressively eradicated out of our culture, which is a good thing. Another one around women. The difference between men and women, there's been lies around that and it's affected the way that we as a culture have related to women and we've done a lot of work to correct that but there's still a lot of work to be done. You still see it at the footy club, the, the challenges when the guys get together, the challenges but then there's a lot of work to be done around how the world relates to men in a godly way and that's because we've picked up lies from our culture and our history that has shaped the way that we view things and so these roots that we have because what we believe the truth that we believe is the root affects the fruit that we produce and so if you want to change the, the fruit that's produced you need to deal with where the root is uh, some spiritual examples uh, we we may think well the evil one doesn't exist satan doesn't exist that it's just something made up and spiritual lies that what I do is okay God hasn't struck me down with lightning so he's approving of my way of life well that's not a biblical lie you, you test that by the Bible and it doesn't measure up and so that's a lie that then produces the fruit of continuing in a pattern of living in a way that doesn't honor God and experiential lies I've done that it seemed to work it produced good fruit for me, therefore it's a good thing to do. But what about the other people that it doesn't produce good fruit for? The reality is we all buy into cultural lives, we all buy into spiritual lives, we all buy into experiential lives. I'm as susceptible to it as you are. And so this process of growth is something that God needs to do in us as he leads us down a path of obedience, godliness, and transformation. Uh, <laughs> but if you don't deal with the roots, what you're planted into will grow up and strangle you. I was chatting to Doug this week about our garden. He's been giving us some instruction because I was only ever taught by my dad how to cut things down. And Doug's been helping us to, to plant things. And so the vicarage has got some lovely new plants, thanks to Doug. And Hamish uh, had been for a visit to town and country with his mum. And they bought a plant home. <laughs> and we looked at, oh, what's the name of the plant? Devil's Ivy. <laughs> I, I thought to myself, well, we can't have this kind of plant in the, in the vicarage. <laughs> we can't have Devil's Ivy. But and so I looked up, and there's another name for it, Golden Pothos. So that's what it's called in our house now. <laughs> But do you know why it's called devil's ivy? Because uh, it grows up around trees and it, and it strangles them and it just keeps growing until the life is, is just sucked out of a tree. And that's what can happen to us as we don't deal with the roots of sin in life. It grows up and it strangles the fruit that we're made to produce, designed to produce. Do you know what feels good? Producing fruit. And it actually doesn't feel good when we don't produce fruit. But when we don't know the alternative and we don't deal with the roots, 
We just continue in this cycle of producing bad fruit. So what does the first tree teach us? From Jeremiah 17:5 uh, through to verse 6, this is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. What, what we need to hear from this passage is, if you want to prosper in life, you need to have your roots in the right place. And you need to cut off the roots that are in the wrong place. Cursed is the one who trusts in themselves, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now that's not a curse that needs to come from the top. It's a natural result of where we're planted into. But we're offered through this tree, the tree of the cross, an opportunity to bear fruit, to see changed lives. When the Bible instructs us to repent and believe, it's, it's, what it's saying is change your mind, change your thinking. Repent of your old way of thinking and see things, life, people, the world, the way that God sees life, people, and the world, so that next time, through the work of Jesus on the cross, we're able to respond in a way that produces good fruit. If we've received our new identity in Christ, if he's at work within us, then we have everything we need to actually respond in a godly way. But when we don't deal with the fruit, the bad fruit, the bad roots, then often there's so much that gets in the way. You need to pluck out the weeds. And that's a work that God does in us as we partner with him through the Holy Spirit. It's a, a work that we continually present ourselves before him and say, Lord, is there anything within me that you want to work on? It's something we do before communion. Each time that we gather and we share communion, God, work in me. Uh, we, we need his help. Uh, the fruit tree is about Christ in us. Uh, where do I need to grow? Okay, well, can we just go back for a second, Karen, and then we'll skip forward. Uh, so the fruitful tree uh, represents the person who trusts in Jesus, who trusts that even though we don't see it, God's way is the way of prosperity in life. Even when we don't see it, we trust in God, that godly thoughts, godly emotions, godly attitudes, godly actions all flow from a deeply rooted relationship with him through his son Jesus. As we trust in him, we see real change, real fruit produced. And so that's, that's what God wants to do in all of us. And for all of us, there's room and space to grow and change, to repent and believe. God's redemptive work is at work in all of us. And when we see him work in others, it gives us hope. When we see him work in us, it gives us hope. So there's three responses that we can have when we're faced by the, the challenges, the heat and the pressure of life is we go, it's too hard. Conviction is too hard. I'm going to either walk away from the Christian faith or just shut down from the need to change. Or the second response is we'll be a roller coaster Christian. Sounds fun. Roller coasters sound fun, right? But not when you're doing that with your Christian life where you go up and you go, I'm going to live really obedient. And then you go down 
and you, you crash and you're angry and you're grumpy and then you go up and you're, you're living a really good life and as the heat and situations of life, you kind of go on this kind of roller coaster journey which isn't great for you and it's not great for anyone around you. And do you know why we roller coaster as Christians? Because we don't pluck out the roots. Because we go, okay, this, this action's fixed. I don't need to deal with why it's happening. But as we bring ourselves before God, he, he heals us of our past, the influences of our families of origin, the influence of our upbringing, the influence of the brokenness of situations we experience through prayer. Uh, God heals us, changes us, transforms us. Uh, the third response is to be fully open to whatever God wants to do. God, I'm your person. Life's hard but I know you have the best for me, that you want to change me, and that you, as you transform me, I'm going to bear fruit for you. So where do I need to grow? Thank you, Next slide. Uh, I love the Jahari window. It's, it's just a really helpful way of looking at things. There's places where I know that I need to grow. They're known by self. They're open and shared. There's places that I need to grow that I don't tell other people about. And so that's open to me, but not it's hidden from others. There's places uh, where I don't know that I need to grow. And that's a blind spot for me, but it's known by others. And then there's those places that we need to grow that God's not yet revealed to anyone else or revealed to us, and they're known only by God. So how do we move from this place uh, to a place of open? And shared. And I say moving to a place of open shared is good because the place where growth most often happens is in this open shared place where other people know where God's working in your life. You're partnering in prayer with them and you're partnering in prayer with God. So that open shared place is where we grow as Christians. And so the next slide, Karen, uh, shows us how we get from where we are <laughs> to where we will be in the optimum place for growth. Uh, so for the things that we don't know and others don't know, we need to ask God, God, is there a way in which I'm not honoring you in life? Please reveal it to me. Dangerous question, because he does. He answers that question. And he shows us where we need transformation. For the space uh, where we, we don't know things from others, we can ask them or sometimes they may tell us and we need to be open to be able to listen to what God might say to us through others that it will come into that open shared place where we realize we need to grow and we're partnering with others where uh, things are not known uh, to other people, we need to tell them about it. So we ask others uh, to tell us where we need to grow so things move from a blind spot to a shared spot. And we tell others about the hidden things in our life because when we tell other people, light comes into dark places. And we know from Scripture that when light comes into dark places, truth comes in there and truth and light bring transformation. And so that's how God works in the open shared place to bring us growth. Uh, next slide. Thanks, Karen. So maybe you're, you're struggling to grow. Uh, maybe you're not producing fruit. That's not a very good-looking piece of fruit, is it? No, ornamental oranges look good, taste terrible. 
As Christians, we're not called to be ornamental oranges <laughs> that look good on the outside but get to know them a bit better and they taste terrible. As Christians, we want to see that deep root transformation happen that we will produce fruit that other people delight in receiving. And, and so we don't just try harder in order to grow. We work through that process of asking God and inviting God into the places that are dark, inviting other people into the places that are dark with full confidence that our God, as he shines in these places, will transform. I've got lots of testimonies about how uh, God does this. Uh, I'm not going to share them all now. But as you begin to understand the truth about how he sees you and how he loves you, it will transform you particularly when you see it happen in the places where you do not feel lovable, where you need growth. And so that's something we do together as we encourage and work with each other. We tell others, you're loved because of what God's done for you. Before he sent his son, he so loved the world. He loved you before he sent his son to make a way for you to be in connection with him to love his way, to live his way, to love others his way. And so hopefully that diagram is really helpful for us as we, as Christians, think about the work of our Redeemer in transforming us from those that are maybe thorny and prickly to being fruit-bearing trees for him. True growth comes from this process of going through what Jesus went through, dying to ourselves, dying to an old way of living, an old way of thinking, an old way of believing, and coming alive to the truth that's only found in Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Uh, I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to finish up there. This is, this is a topic that's big. I've covered it in a fairly short amount of time. I will, if anyone would love to talk about it more, I'd love to chat about it over coffee. If you've got an area of growth that, that you feel like God's got the finger on but you're not getting progress, I'd love to chat about it. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to encourage you. Uh, over future sermons, I'll, I might touch back on this a few times because I think it helps us to, to think about this process of growth that God is at work in all of us. Uh, let me pray for us now. God, you call us to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Uh, please send your Holy Spirit to reveal to us how uh, we are being tangled by life, how we are being hindered by even the things of life. Lord, help us, even when we find the heat of life hard, to run with perseverance the race marked out for us in Jesus. Help us, Lord, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, as we look to you, we're, we're confident that you will work in us and transform us to be like you. Lord, we, we look forward to that day that you return, but as... We live out the days that are ours now. We know you've called us to bear fruit. 
Please show us the kinds of fruit that you want us to bear. Please show us the places we can bear fruit, the relationships, the, the work through which we can bear fruit for you. Our Lord, where we're challenged uh, to grow, Lord, give us comfort, connect us to the right people, strengthen us, Lord, empower us by your Spirit who lives in us and works in us. In the name of Jesus, amen.